0: Where what you all would do would make you better, I, I'm, I'm able to just zero right in on that real quick, and occasionally I will tell it to you, you know, and uh, you know that's not always the best. Uh, harder to see my own, you know, because it's all about you know somebody else, and that sort of uh, thing is uh, happens a lot, and so. Yet we realize that probably none of us is sin free or without sin. Jesus told those people that came to the woman, he that is without sin... Cast the first stone and none of them could pick up a stone. And another place in Matthew, he said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, it shall be judged. And what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why behold a mote in the eye of your brother, but consider not the beam that is in your own eye. What he was basically saying is that we always can find somebody else's. And so when I'm preaching on this, please... Please, please do not use this as a hammer on your husband or wife or children or parents and say, Pastor said. Don't do that, okay? This is all about me personally. It has nothing to do. I'm going to preach about me. And if you all listen, you can get some of it. It's not about you at all. And so I I realize that when you get into this subject, it can be at times uh, difficult. And maybe, you know, it's one that we don't want to hear. And so we're not wanting to stay around. Galatians, Paul wrote in the 15th, fifth chapter, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we realize that there is a war or a fight that goes on for the flesh lusteth or fights against wars. Whatever word you want to use, it is in contrary to the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh and they are in opposition in contrary to one another so that you're not always able to do the things that you would. As a matter of fact, the verse that I mentioned in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 where he says exercise yourself or work out and, and you know if you're like me, um, I don't live for a workout. I'm not at that place yet. It's, it's it's got first of all that first word in there is, you know, a four letter word and work. I mean, that's that's bad already and and when you couple it with workout that just is like i'm not there you know i i have got too much other stuff to do i'll get my workout just you know walking around the house or moving from the dinner table to the bed and that's plenty of walking for me and you know i, I and that's not good and i realize it and i'm i i i know and that's where It it says right before for bodily exercise profits little, he really wasn't talking about bodily exercise as putting it down. What he was saying is how much more you need to work on godliness, because the verse before seven ends with it says, "Exercise thyself rather unto godliness." How much are you working out at being godly? How much energy are you putting into being godly? Well, I don't, you know, I don't put a whole lot in that, you know. because I've got so much to do I don't have time to read the Bible I don't have time to pray I don't have time to discipline myself uh, I'm not you know I've got other things to do and yet we know that if I were running uh, uh, in fact one of the staff members there in the church uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale is what they call an ultra marathoner I don't know exactly what that is other than the fact that they go around the world and they run like 150 miles in three days or four days or something. And there's just an amazing amount of training that goes on to be this, what they call, and, and the thing is, everything you sleep, eat, wear, you have to carry on your back. And so they go through these unbelievable ultra marathoner. I was like, God bless you, hallelujah. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine training for a marathon, much less an ultra marathon. I can't imagine, you know, where I'm gonna have to run and put that much into it. And yet what Paul was saying, and he was saying it to Timothy who understood the Greek games and the Olympics, he was saying that there is something even more important than all that physical training. And that is to exercise yourself unto godliness. And so he said, for bodily exercise profiteth little. That's what I quoted whenever I didn't want to walk. (laughs) But godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise, it has two promises. Promise of what? Of good things that will happen to you in this life eternal. So that's why godliness is an important thing to work on, because it's going to help you here and eternally. And so when we stop and think about this situation that it is basically I I put here the spirit it's kind of like the air and then the ground and I don't know if you can see that slide but it's green and I I put flesh there Uh, and you can see so it's like here's this battle going between the flesh and the spirit and uh, Simon Peter talked about it and uh, others uh, over and over where he said dear beloved uh, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain or, or avoid fleshly lust, which do what? What do they do? They war against your soul. You see, caught in between the spirit and flesh is your soul. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts, your heart, your emotions, your will, your want to, that sense of it's going to impact you. You're either going to be impacted by the world, by the flesh, by your circumstances of life, or you're going to be impacted by the spirit. And we're going to, you know, this is the whole summation of the New Testament. Is God, what is being produced in me? What is growing in me? What is the fruit of the Spirit, if you will? What is the works of the flesh? We're knowing those, and we can go through and find the verses. But yet what... Basically what Simon Peter was saying is the war is going on to overcome your mind. And I want to tell you something. In this hour, we see people that are being so overcome with their emotions, with their thoughts, with their feelings, with their anger, with their frustration. I I get amazed. It's it's every day. Every day, you know, there was some there on my phone, 79-year-old man somewhere You know, kills his wife because he had been, you know, doing something with the money. And she found out that he had been taking her money. And so rather than to deal with the money, he kills her. And what's going on with all of this? Where are we in our world? Where is, we call it, in civility. You should be civil. You should be kind. You should be, but you know what? We're living in an an, an emotionally charged atmosphere. And it's so easy to get angry and it's so easy to get frustrated and it's so easy to get all these feelings and emotions and all of this. And yet, you know, the key thing that you got to remember is you can have an instant change of heart, but it takes a while to get that produced in the body. You understand? Sometimes it takes time to cut back. The sin that's been growing in your life. It's kind of like you've been letting your, you know, if you've ever, if you've got a garden or if you've got a vineyard or if you've got a grove of trees, it doesn't take too many years and too many months, to me, and it's just grown over. Huh? Plant a lovely garden. Get the ground perfect. Get all the weeds out. Plant your plants. And don't do it any, you don't have to do it anymore. Because those plants are going to, you can, I'm not talking about planting seed plants. I'm talking about go down to the nursery and buy tomato plants. that are already, they've got this much head start on everything else. But let me tell you, it won't be long. Amen. And the weeds will be bigger than the tomato plants if you don't work on it. You may say, well, I don't want to have to work on it. (laughs) I don't want to have to pull the weeds in my garden. I want to just let it happen. I'm going to tell you, it will end up destroying you. And that's why, even though the Bible is very clear, when you are in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And yet, You know, we are living in an hour and in an age and in an, unfortunately, in a country where we don't want to talk about sin. It's not politically correct. It's not politically correct to talk about sin. Actually, in 1953 was Eisenhower was the last president that made every year the president of the United States has to do a proclamation for the National Day of Prayer. You know, you know what today is, everybody? It's the National Sandwich Day. (laughs) Just saying. Today is, Chick-fil-A made a big deal uh, this week about, you know, celebrating National Sandwich Day, and they're not open on Sunday. So everybody was making fun of them on the the Internet. And uh, I think today is National Sandwich Day, isn't it? That's right. So everybody can eat a sandwich today. Go buy Wendy's. McDonald's, whatever. It's sandwich day. Now they have all kind of days. Well, they actually have a national day of prayer. And the president makes a proclamation about it. Just like, you know, he spares the life of a turkey at Thanksgiving and makes this national to-do, and that's awesome. Well, let me tell you, on the national day of prayer, the last proclamation that ended up using the word sin was in 1953 when Eisenhower quoted a proclamation done by Abraham Lincoln and said that as a nation we should humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness of sin because we don't like to use that word sin. Over 60 years. As a nation, we don't want to talk about sin. We, you know, it's got other names. It's uh, conduct unbecoming an officer. It's, uh, they had, uh, you know, they had a struggle, they had an opportunity to, whatever, it's, it's just, we don't, we don't want to say. In fact, I got excited when, when President Obama came this close to calling it sin, when he said, the reason we had the stock market crash is because of greed on Wall Street. And I said, why don't you just say sin? Amen. Because greed is Amen. sin but we didn't get that we didn't get that proclamation but we said at least greed on wall street so you know here, here you are and and so when you study the word of god though it's an amazing thing that when the bible talks about the law of god it never makes it plural it never says the laws of god because as far as god was concerned his law was every one of the commandments James understood that when he said, "If you offend in one point, guess what? You've broken them all. And yet that we don't think in terms of that at all. We're not James said, "If you have respect of persons, you commit, whatever the word he used. sin. Respective persons, now who would have thought that's a big sin? I mean, you know, murder, yes. Adultery, yes. Stealing, maybe, if it's not a delta blanket. (laughs) Huh? I I mean, you know, and so what should I have done last night in that 38 degree walkway out of the plane, turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, all of you heathens better be in church tomorrow. You're sitting wearing those blue blankets. Well, obviously it would not have been politically correct and it would have probably, you know, been more offensive, whatever. Tried to pray a few of them through at that moment. <clears throat> but The point of it all is that we don't want to use that word sin. And yet the Bible is very clear. If you offend in one spot, you've broken it all. In fact, Paul wrote in Galatians, the third chapter, for as many as are of the works of the law, notice it's law, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things that are written in the book of the law one book, one law to do them, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident that just shall live by faith. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What a a privilege that is. That's the encapsulation of the gospel that I can be free from the curse of the law. There's no way I could live it perfectly enough to merit anything that I feel, anything of presence of God but because of his love because of Calvary, because of the blood, I'm free from the curse of the law. And that's an amazing fact. And yet our flesh still is full of ungodliness. Your flesh is and my flesh is. Anybody that says any different, you're being ungodly because you're lying. One time the writer said, in my flesh there is no good thing. What are you saying then, pastor? What a, how do I keep this sin from growing in my life? And Paul wrote about that. He said, I know nothing by myself, yet I am hereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. In other words, what he was saying is, I can't even judge myself at times. I may think my motives were pure when they weren't pure. Because of what I thought, because of the way I raised, because of what I thought I heard, because of what I thought was said, because of what I felt. Huh? Have you ever... You ever corrected your children and then you realize or said something to your wife or husband and then you realize, whoa, I got that one wrong. After they explained the way more perfectly or you saw their crestfallen face. Paul said, I can't judge anything. And and notice what he says. When the Lord comes, He's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of a heart, the emotions that were driving it. You may think that you've got it hidden and that nobody knows your motive and that you're what's coming on in your mind and in your heart and that you're okay and that it's all all right. And then every man shall have praise of God. What are you saying? When you read that in the classic Amplified, it said, I'm not conscious of anything. Anything against myself I feel blameless Paul was not talking about wickedness if you will he was uh, when I say use the word ungodliness I am NOT necessarily I, I'm not using the word wickedness now there's wickedness that we know Bible there's ten Commandments we know that's wrong we know that's sin. we know what the Bible says about it there's no point in trying now I know the world is trying to skirt that issue and are you really sure the Lord meant that and are you really sure the word I'm not talking about that I'm talking about there's an ungodliness that's in our flesh yes. yeah. Yeah. that's not wickedness it can produce fruit like wickedness but it's strictly ungodliness Paul said I feel blameless I don't, I, I, I'm glad the Lord didn't ask me to write that because I don't know that I could have written that I feel blameless I'm not conscious of anything by myself. I feel blameless, but I am not vindicated or acquitted before God on that account. He goes on to say, It is the Lord himself who examines and judges me. So that do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of the heart. Oh, boy, this is a shouting sermon. God's going to open it all up. Wow. Pastor, whoo. We don't, and I'm, I know I'm on thin ice because if you read Barna and others, they tell me that if you want to have a, a growing, thriving church, don't preach about sin. Make people feel good, you know? Everybody's a champion. Everybody's a winner. Let's go eat chicken dinner. Hallelujah. Put your money in. Let's go. And I, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just telling you that's the hour we're living in. We don't want to talk about our life. I don't want to have the spotlight on me. Put the spotlight on somebody else. I, I'm willing to talk about, uh, you know, in fact, I, I got on the plane and, and they were making a public service announcement. And and the public service announcement yesterday in Fort Lauderdale was if you see someone you suspect is involved in human trafficking, please report to the nearest, you know, and I started looking around. I wonder who it is. That <laughs> I was glad my wife wasn't with me yesterday because she probably would have said, I think he's involved in it. <laughs> Take him away. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with that, but I mean, you know, if I see you with it, I'm... Uh, let me see, those kids really kind of look like you, or well, I wonder if those are really yours or not, I don't know, I didn't like the way that, I, I, I didn't like the way you told that lady that, you know, to sit there while you went and got her food, I think you were being a little abusive, and that's an indicator, you, you, you get what I'm saying? We'll point out somebody else what somebody else, what the, but in this hour, I don't want the spotlight on me and I agree, I don't want it there. And yet Paul, in this same book that he said, I'm blameless, he later says in that same writing, I am the least of all the apostles. And he wrote that about 55 AD. When he wrote Ephesians, he was about ten, five years later and he said, I'm the least of all the saints. And then when he wrote Timothy, it was about three or four years after that. So in that he is saying, guess what? Uh, The Lord came to save sinners of whom I am. So what are you saying? Once I've been saved, I no longer feel like I'm a sinner. No, I must recognize I still have ungodliness in me. And I've got to do something to try to cut it back every time it starts rearing its head. And that's what I'm basically gonna do. I'm gonna talk about, I don't know, five, six things, four, five, I don't know how many ever I, I have that we will use to keep trimming the ungodliness that begins to spring out of the flesh. I'm not talking about wickedness. I'm not talking about, you know, well, you know you're know, you just lying. Well, let me just tell you, the cure for that, stop lying. You know, okay? That's the way it is. Just stop it, all right? And, 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 you know, if you're doing some other things that you know are wrong, stop it. Go, You know, don't go there. There's no process. But whenever it comes to this sense of trying to, to make myself try myself to being godly it means that I have to put on a new man there is a putting on of the new man which was created after God created in righteousness and true holiness and Paul goes through a list there in Ephesians the fourth chapter stop lying be angry and sin not don't let the sun go down on your wrath let him that stole steal no more no corrupt communication out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edify and then he puts this phrase in there don't grieve the Holy Ghost this was written to a church and so what does that mean that I can grieve the Holy Ghost that's in me I can make it feel bad grieve it and he goes don't have bitterness don't have wrath don't have anger don't have clamor don't have evil speaking be kind be tender hearted be forgiving And there's all those verses there, and I know at times I don't want to hear how bad I've been, but it's like when Samuel came to David in the Old Testament, and he told him about his sin with Bathsheba, and he used this phrase, he used it a couple of different times in both verse 9 and verse 10. He said, you have despised the commandment of the Lord, you have despised God. Boy, that's harsh. I've despised God. And yet James understood that when he said, when every man is tempted, he's drawn away of what? It's in me. This is why I'm going to go through these steps to amplify it. It said every person when he's tempted is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire, his own lust, his own passion, his own all in us and when it's conceived it gives birth to sin that's that word I don't want to use and sin when it is fully mature brings forth death and so it's kind of like this it's out of this ungodliness begins to grow this tree and the trunk of that tree I don't know if you can see it it's P-R-I D pride. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I can make up my own mind about what's good, right, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. It's all up to me. Well, let me tell you, if you're going to fight that spirit and you're going to fight that growth in your life, the very number one thing you have to do. I'm going I'm to do number one and then that's it. I'm going to stop after number one, I think. I'm not even going to get to number two. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, the first thing you got to do is remember that the gospel is for sinners. I don't like to be humbled every day. I don't like to feel like I need God to help me every day. But if I don't realize I'm a sinner, Saved by the amazing grace of God. I'm not a ride. Oh, I got it all. I got it all together. I'm telling you, from a child, he told Timothy, you've known the holy scriptures. And all of those scriptures are done for doctrine. That's first doctrine. But then he said, those scriptures are there for reproof, for correction, and for instruction and in righteousness that's why we gave out these Bibles because we want these young folks to know that the word of God is going to cut away at that sin that will start growing in your life if you will keep yourself connected to the word of God but you got to understand that the gospel is there and he is he may say I don't think I can do it I don't think I can I don't think I can stop I don't my flesh is bigger than I am but let me tell you one day Jesus came and the gospel is there because if what can I say to these things then if God is for me who can be against me I'm telling you you have a hold of the blood of the lamb and the gospel is able to help you eradicate the sin that keeps trying to grow back in your life you say well It's one and done. I got the Holy Ghost. I won't have to do it anymore. Oh, come on. Grow up. You're going to have to realize, Paul said, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live. (laughs) I now live in the flesh. I live by the what? Faith of the Son of God who loved me and Every day, if you want to live a godly life and you want to destroy the ungodliness that tries to grow in your heart and mind and emotions, you have to remind yourself one day Jesus died for me, one day Jesus went to Calvary for me. The Lord loves me, the Lord is on my side. He wants me to succeed, He is not interested in me failing. He gave Himself for me. I have faith in God. I don't know how I'm going do it, but I know God is able. I don't know how I'm going to stop this, but I know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that I ask or think. That's why John would say, here in his love, not that I love God, but that he loved me and gave himself to be a propitiation for me. That means he gave me so that I could stop Living according to the flesh. You say, well, it's not really important whether I live for the flesh or not. Don't be fooled by the enemy. Don't let the devil tell you it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter what you do. It does matter. Our flesh is ungodly. And I'm sorry, but we pamper our flesh. And so for me to say, well, it really doesn't matter. It's not going to make any difference. I want to tell you something. You know what? You, you're gonna, you are going to feel like such a hypocrite. You're never going to feel released if you take that tack. And if you let the enemy tell you that. It's better for you to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. Because I want to tell you something. Blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man who said the Lord will not impure. It's amazing when and you pray through and you ask God to forgive you how clean you feel how wonderful you feel how amazing you feel we you feel blessed you will be able to say, like Paul told him in Romans, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk after the flesh, but not after after the flesh, but after the spirit for the law, the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of the sin and death that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in me. What are you saying? And I know, time is up. I've got, uh, after you do this, let me... The next thing is you got to get dependent responsibility, and I'll explain that later on. I, I don't know, tonight, Wednesday, sometime. But what am I telling you is that this is a constant battle. But the gospel, you have to preach the gospel to yourself. The good news every day. God loves me. God's on my side. God wants me to... Be godly. God is interested in me making it. God didn't save me in order to leave me here. Oh, you know, uh, you just don't know how hard, let me just tell you, you gotta get your mind off of how hard it is and how good God is. You gotta, uh, but you don't know how I was raised. You gotta get your mind off of how you were raised and how big God is. I am a new creature in Christ. Why old things are passed away. If you allow yourself to get so caught up, your pride will grow up until finally you'll go, you know what, I know I'm better but I'm not as bad as those two right there huh and in the middle of a church service when I need to be repenting for me you remember the story thank God Jesus said one went away cleansed, justified, forgiven, and one stayed where they were because immediately pride sprung up and it's the antithesis of God, pride, at least I'm not, those two, they've got it bad. These are two lovely young ladies. I'm not, you know what I'm talking about. But you see what I'm saying? You've got to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You've got to realize where you are every day. And I'm going to talk about Oh, well, Let's stand. I, my, my time is up. I, I just want to, I want to show you what this tree looks like when it starts really growing out. resentment, discontent, temper, selfishness, inconsideration, jealousy, unthankfulness, judgmentalism, competitiveness, sins of the tongue, love of money, bitterness, grudges, impatience, irritability, anger, no self-control, anxiety, frustration, independence, fear, and envy. I'm thankful I've never had any of those spring out of that trunk of pride. I'm not talking about wickedness. I'm going to show you in the Bible where those things spring up just overnight like lantham or whatever it is, that plant that grows so fast like bamboo. Well, overnight, three feet. Huh? What are you saying, Pastor? I, I'm saying I want us to t- turn the spotlight here for the next few days and just ask God to help us fight the spirit of ungodliness that's in our lives. I'm not talking about wickedness. I don't know any. I've been monitoring all your Facebook and Snapchat accounts and folks, I really don't. I don't even look at mine, so I don't know about yours at all and I don't have Snapchat or TikTok or Instagram or whatever, but I get amazed at what people will put on there and then. I haven't monitored any of that, but what I know is that all of us have ungodliness. So what I'm going to ask us to do, just humor me, and let's pretend, if you want, that I'm going to repent like I have to do every day, and I think that's what we all need to do today, is just say, it's time to repent the altars open. Hallelujah.